somewhere in those fish and wildlife meetings. Otherwise, he, it's like a derailed car. That's no Ouch. joke. That's hurt. that's hurtful. <laughs> he'll, he'll he'll get to rambling, and it's like, where the f- did we even start? <laughs> <laughs> already having to beep out the podcast, James. <laughs> Is I it recorded right now? I hit record already. Oh, oh, it's okay. We can beep it out. We can just edit that part out. No, that's no joke. I get to talking sometimes, and I don't shut up. My wife is, James is my meeting wife up there in Olympia when I was, when we were up there in meetings and stuff, and James is like, cut it out. (laughs) Somebody's got to. So here we got a politician's son. Tracy? That's me. Yep. Well, do you want to keep your last name quiet? Uh, No, it doesn't, doesn't matter to me. All right. Well, um, he, he wanted to go see what this cat hunting west so he's been going with me um he's new james you met him just just yesterday yesterday yeah how was your hunt today tracy uh today was well it was fun um cold windy snowy we just we it left. wasn't that fun no <laughs> he's like it's great every time you go with this guy he's like oh man well, this is tra- awesome traditional traditionally uh if that's what you do i'm sure today was a, a bust yeah <laughs> But uh, I didn't go to my regular job, and uh, I had fun. So, John was the only smart one today. I don't know if that's smart. It's just what I had to do. Well, I can tell you, at seven o'clock, me and James were looking at each other like, "Should we? Should we even go?" <laughs> yeah, it rained all night long, and the wind was just felt like that trailer was going to tip over there a couple times. The wind just hammered us all night. <laughs> it really did blow hard last night. Even when you live here, it was windy. I had that awning over my bed, and I, I mean, by 7 o'clock, I figured it was gone. I was like, I have, I've got to buy an awning for my trailer. I was about ready to already get on the internet and start finding a new awning, because I was like, that awning is gone. I haven't heard it in a little while. The wind stopped this morning, so I thought, oh, that awning just blew off. We're not usually supposed to talk about the weather on this podcast, but when it does something like that all night long. That's a good point. I just <laughs> broke the podcast rule, talking about the weather. Your only rule. <laughs> so, so, anyways, we got Tracy. How many times have you gone out, Tracy, with me? Let's see. Today would have been uh, six. Six times. Nice and easy. We just go catch a cat every time. Nah, not even close. (laughs) (laughs) No. First day, catastrophic failure. Oh, that's right. I even forgot about that. Yes. Did I tell you about the first day? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, man. Was was that when the snowmobile broke down, blew up? Yeah. Oh, oh, that two catastrophic failures that day actually. <laughs> Good. Yeah. My snowmobile. I was riding that snowmobile, and I'm like, Wah! and then all of a sudden, I mean, just without warning, it's like you you know, you're at a bicycle and you stick a stick in the forks or the the spokes, and the tire stops spinning. That's what that track did. It like 25 miles an hour. Did you go over the handlebars? No. Luckily, it was deep snow. It just whoosh, skid to a stop, and I was like, oh crap! Like I was a ways away from the truck. Track just completely locked up, and I thought the engine seized. I mean, I was like, Bleh. so I pull off the the side panel there. I'm looking at the the clutch, you know, and and I push the button, and it it cranks and it moves. And I'm like, I was expecting it to be like, you know, when you hit a starter in a truck, and it's like, <laughs> like completely bound up. I was that's what I was expecting, and it like cranked over a bunch, and it took about five seconds, and it fired, and I'm like. Okay, we're pointing it down towards the truck. <laughs> Let's get out of here. We had stuff. <laughs> no shit. We had we had shit bungeed on like cover. I didn't put covers on the snowmobiles like nothing. Those were like get this on there and let's get 
If it's going to give me a mile, I want to be a mile closer to the pickup when I got to start walking. Walking out here. Well, we had a broken trailer. Before that. Before that. That's true. So we had the trailer strapped on the back. No, not not when I broke. I'd left the dog right there on the side of the... Uh, so I broke the tongue of that trailer. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times, but this is one of many times I had... I had that snowmobile trailer, and it was made out of aluminum, the tongue was, and it cracked and snapped, and so I was like, crap. So I parked the dogs on the side of the road, and I'm like, well, let's just go find a track, and we'll come back, and I'll figure out how to get the dogs, and I'll just road them into the track. Park the dogs, go a mile, and that's whenever I blew the snowmobile. So it was like, <laughs> I was like doubling down. And about that time, I had my tail, I mean, because first time, I got a first time guy going with me, I'm trying to impress him. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we'll just put the dogs here. We'll just keep going. <laughs> the second time, I was like, tails tucked. I'm like, no, I'm going my truck. <laughs> Where's my truck? Somebody's trying to tell you something. <laughs> it sounds like, a, I mean, a really a pretty average day, though. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes for me. Uh, All of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we have this section called train wrecks. Yeah. So that was your first experience. That was that was day one. Yep. Day one. See? See, you got started right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, you can't just go out and have an easy one right out of the gate. Nope. Nope. And then uh, I think it was the very next day we went to a new spot. Oh, in the, in the wheels. I, I, I went to the coast. I got out of the snow. and Yes. Uh, yeah. So we did that, and that was uh, a totally different situation than day one. Yeah. We were no longer. We had a, a totally different mode of transportation. And uh, no snow, which was nice, right? I mean, it was different. Mm-hmm. So it was a another change, another first for me. <laughs> uh, did you guys get one going that day? I don't think so. Um, no, I don't think we did. I think we had a couple strikes that day, but nothing, nothing that produced anything. Yeah, nothing the dogs could move. That was uh, and then. And I don't know, at what time did we finally get successful? How many times? How many? Five. five. Fifth? So the fifth time I finally caught him a cat. And that wasn't a clean race. Is that where they went and come back on their back track? And... Went backwards a long ways. Mm-hmm. I had to drive a long ways to pick up a dog that just like, must have hurt us. I, the only thing I can imagine is the dog hurt a snowmobile and just like hauled ass after went the that snowmobile. Direction. The wrong snowmobile. And I had to go chase it down, so. So yeah, Tracy Hoff, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he. Uh, you came out here, end of the season. We're kind of wrapping up our Bobcat season over here, and we're staying at John's house. And uh, we went out today. I went out yesterday, and you guys weren't here yet. I did it by myself. I finally I got one. Nice Tom, which I keep I keep telling you, John, I need to get a scale. You, you're a, we got to do that when we get done with this. You're a fishing guide and. I figured you'd have a fish scale. <clears throat> I don't have one. But that way you could say what... How, how are you a fisherman without a fishing scale? Uh, it doesn't matter. It, it's, <laughs> if you don't have a scale, then you can make up your own deal. Right. The story <laughs> can be however big you want it to be. He's Tracy's got it. <laughs> yeah. well, if you have a scale, it, it, it's, it, it changes your... The, it gets a truthful story. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's why I like a, the scale. Yeah, exactly. That's why they call it a scale. You go from a 35-pound bobcat to a... 18-pound bobcat. We were joking out there, me and James were, because I, I show you the bobcat, right? 
And you're like, oh, yeah, they're like a 14-pound bobcat. Well, I don't look at them anymore. I didn't mean that as a slam. I just, <laughs> it hurt, John. I know. It totally I'm hurt. Sorry. I mean, I was like, have you seen a 14-pound bobcat, John? Like that, <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> oh, man. I should have said 30. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then at least I would have been like, no, no. But no, and you used, you went you went way down. I, I Well, you know what? If if you have low expectations of yourself like I do, then you're not that disappointed most of the time. Exactly. <laughs> So we went out this morning, we woke up, it was windy, and it was just miserable. It was, I mean, nothing was moving, no chipmunks, no nothing. So that's where we're at, but we got a, we got a game plan for tomorrow. That so we do. We're going to execute the game plan, I think. We got the last couple of days of season, so we're going we're gonna to do that. But I think tomorrow will be good for you guys, though. We hope so. I think it'll be a lot better than, I mean, you can't get any worse than today. No. no Condition-wise. No. <laughs> Where we were going to go is getting like 28 to 36 inches of snow in the next two days. So I'm like, yeah, I don't want to mess with that. So, so Tracy. Yes, sir. We're, we're going to, you're the new guy. Mm-hmm. I want you to ask questions. So you got, we could make a joke about this, but we got a politician's son. We got an Indian. We got a cowboy. Cowboy, and then yeah, we got I mean, a business. You know, I, I sell hound supplies. <laughs> we got the whole gamut here. We do, kind of. So, so you got you got a lot of experience here, and so I want you to ask questions. And and I, I know we got some topics we want to try and cover that are more. You know, I, I want to hit on some of the like the backtracking and the, the things we were just talking about over the dinner, but. uh I want you to first ask if you were to, if you were to start if for some reason you were foolish enough to want to get into this game, which I highly recommend is not exactly. <laughs> it's not your best option. Now this is like I would be I would second that motion. Right <laughs> to me, there. this is like in, in uh, this is like boats. You know, I don't want one, but I like to know people that have a boat so I can use it. Yeah. So he's a lot smarter than James and <laughs> I and Buddy. Yes. You know? So you guys all have dogs, and I'll just ride in the truck and. Yeah, you know, and that's the smart way of doing it, for sure. Especially when the dogs are driving you nuts, <laughs> yeah. which is mostly. Oh. It's definitely the cheapest way to do it. Yes, yeah. So if you were, if you weren't, we weren't going to be, you know, dumb yourself down a little bit. Okay. Like, what have you learned from a new perspective? So, so we've we've got a perspective, you know, of, of just having them, but perhaps somebody new. You've asked a lot of questions, and I don't know if you can remember all those questions that you've asked over the last six hunts of me showing you train wreck after train wreck. <laughs> and I don't know if I can remember all the excuses I've given you because there have been a couple <laughs> excuses, but but uh, pretend you're asking those questions for somebody who might want to to learn something, you know. So we've got some topics we want to cover, but what's the first thing you've got? If, you're, if you were to even start, I want you to you know, ask us some questions. Boy, I, uh, I could ask. Well, why? <laughs> he starts with the hard question. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't prepared. I didn't do my homework, John. Well, John, why don't you take that one? Because I, I totally so, don't. So well, wait, know why. wait a second, though. Hold on. <laughs> so, being in the woods, right? That's why. <clears throat> that's why it would be for me. But why? With dogs, why with the hounds? You know, you've you've chosen a specific prey, in a sense. Yeah. You know, 
cats, mountain lions, bobcats, even, I mean, well, anything with hounds, bears, raccoons, whatever. But why, why the hounds? Why is that the choice instead of just walking around through the mountains with binoculars and chasing elk or deer? Yeah. So that's uh, like uh, everybody else. I guess that everybody will have their own thing, but I I think one of the things would be <clears throat> for some of the prey that we pursue, uh, trying to do it without our dogs would be like trying to. That, this is a kind of a corny analogy, but it would be kind of like going fishing without a hook. Uh, a question to Buddy and James, uh, like in the in the realm of mountain lions, how many of them have you seen in the daytime without your dogs in your entire life? Three, seven, two. Lucky. I've two. seen I've seen one mountain lion in ever in my life. So but, it would you know what's a- funny is I haven't seen a single one since I got dogs. Uh, they were all before I had dogs, and they were just I couldn't have shot very many of them. Do you know what I mean? Make so it- that would be one. Uh, that would be one thing. It would be impossible to do what we do without them. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's lots of others. I'm sure. gonna let these guys go, but that would be one. Yeah, buddy. You know, I, I like, believe it or not, I like a dog. Sometimes I wonder if I like a dog or not. But um, I'm the same way. I, uh, I like, I've and I've I've gotten better at it. So when I first started, um, it was just I wanted to do something with the dog, you know, and and now I like watching that dog grow and and just like like Andy would be a good example that dog i was like man i don't think it's gonna make it i don't think it's gonna make it and i was i, I was hoping to find a good home for it you know because she's a really sweet dog and it's been like a light switch that's just turned off and i'm like i almost can see the potential now that she's going to be pull a lot of weight you know and, and we're talking within three weeks you know what i mean like she is still so young but it's like i watched that light switch happen and what she's in doing two in the weeks race. Ago, i mean she or what was that was that two weeks ago yeah yeah, when, well, you you were yeah. with me when she she was cold trailing on that thing, and I was like, "Wow, that little pup is in there working hard." And it was like last year she was licking my boots on the road, and I'm like, "I hated the dog." <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so part of it for me is is actually really getting to spend time with the dogs. And that yeah, that has a lot for me as well. And just I guess you get. You know, like Buddy said, you start out and you don't necessarily know what you're doing. And then it seems like you'll hit a point in time where, at least for me, you know, years ago, you feel like, oh, I got really good dogs. I This is a great pack of dogs. And as you keep going and progressing, you realize that, you know, those dogs you had 10 years ago that you thought were great dogs right. wouldn't even make it today with yeah. the dogs that you have. And so that watching that constant progression and you know, trying to learn as much as you can along the way, definitely, I mean, I guess it's, some might even say it's almost like an addiction. You get to where it's, you just always want to see how much further you can let a dog reach its full potential. Well, I see it's definitely an addiction if you saw the truck and trailer and setup (laughs) that's sitting outside. (laughs) There's a couple thousand dollars worth of equipment You know that there is a few people in around here that have a problem <laughs> yeah that's uh and I, the kennel that's also out there too for that matter yours we definitely all have a lot more money if we didn't do what we did that's that's for certain yeah but i don't think we'd be as happy no no for yeah. sure 
that that's for sure. So you already hit on, I'll tell you another thing. I, after doing it for decades, uh, I can honestly, buddy, you already hit on the one, so I won't dwell on that too much. But my two favorite parts of doing this are are being spending time in the country that these animals that we hunt call home, which you already hit on being out in the mountains, mm-hmm. and then taking a young dog uh, that that you know taking that little piece of modeling clay and taking it out and and seeing it develop and and see that potential come out and that that that's actually my two favorite thing i mean in the line of work i'm in i do need to kind of get some stuff done but i it it's really cool to watch them progress okay so all right i got a question though so i'm already i'm already sighted i'm already taking over like i own the place (laughs) so there's a really how big is that bull john 370 that's a big bull like we got 370 inches really nice bull sitting above us so i was wanting to ask and i know my answer but do you think and james do you think the dogs have made you a better hunter without dogs so you know deer elk what has that done for you because i know for me it has given me a confidence in the woods that translates into other game like i will i agree with that i'm not afraid to jump down a, a canyon that maybe in the beginning I wouldn't have been as diehard, but I'm like, yeah, I've already, dogs made me go down that, that thing before. You know what I mean? Well, I think another part of that is you end up in places following your dogs that you wouldn't end up otherwise. And there's, you know, sometimes you'll stumble into a spot where, you know, you have a 370 inch bull elk and elk season rolls around and it's like, oh, well, I remember being down in there and, yeah, you know, seeing a big group of elk or deer or whatever it may be. Um, I think you end up in a lot of places you'd otherwise never see. And I think that that kind of translates into you know yeah. all forms of, of in, hunting in from the there. snow in the you know just and watching you can learn tracks. a lot about yeah I mean just the tracks that you stumble into as you're you know in the middle of a line race you learn a lot about the other game in in the area yeah and how the animals are using the landscape for sure yeah probably no one knows the country like we do because like James said. The, the places that we that our dogs take or anyway the places that we end up are places that many times most people would never go yeah, yeah. or haven't been <laughs> and i don't know that i want to go there again sometimes there's some places i don't want to go again i'll be honest with oh, you we like, all yeah. have those yeah yeah but you know what likely as not we'll all be back to those places yeah yeah the dog barks and we'll be like oh let's go down there again let's see what's down there all right so kind of on that <laughs> same thing is you get to be a better hunter, you know, in a sense, you, you've seen more places, you're finding, you know, bigger trophies or whatever. When you're with your dogs, um, is watching the dogs become better, more important to you guys than actually taking, you know, a, a prize cat of any sort? Oh, for sure, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, so, it's all about the dogs. Right. The, the 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 taking of the animal, I think, is secondary to almost all of us. Yeah. Right. So when you're with your dogs, it's not about the trophy that they're after. It's about the dogs getting better. Whereas when you're hunting for that, an elk or or a giant mule deer, that is what it's your satisfaction. Exactly. Not the dogs. Yeah. I I don't I don't think any of us would do it if it wasn't for that. No. No. I, matter of fact, I would. I know I wouldn't. No, I I'm right there with you. 
Yeah, I, I, I yeah, one hundred percent. And and with an elk or a deer, it's about going and getting the animal for me. You know what I mean? Like I, I am there to harvest an elk. I mean that's that's what I'm there, and I enjoy. I wouldn't say a better hunter. Whenever you said, "Oh, it makes you a better hunter," I don't know that it makes me a better. Hunter. Maybe it does. I'm a slow better learner. Might have been a not the well, right. Well, I, I just but... think it makes you a better woodsman. Right. You know yeah. I mean? Okay, that's a better way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a better woodsman. Yeah. You learn how to traverse the land a lot. You know, there's places we got to go that you just can't go straight. You got to be like, oh, I got to go this ridge. You're coming down here. Um, you know, I know John deals with some bluffs and stuff. You know, and you just got to learn how to. You got to become better with the land and and the animals the same way. So. Just like the other day when we had that. We had to climb up that ice chute. <laughs> Dogs are like 75 yards off the road. I mean, yeah. you can see them cross a creek and we, the path a we decided. A frozen creek, John. Like it looked, so, so so we're down within 10 yards. I go down there and it looks like this stream <laughs> and there's a rock. I'm like, I step on this rock and I decide that I can just jump over to this like smooth patch of what I thought was How he didn't know snow. it was ice, I have no idea. I'm not used to this cold weather crap, man. And so I jump, and it's just like a skating rink ice. And I'm like, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> He jumps off this rock thing, and he's going to land on like soft ground, I guess, under the snow. And I'm watching this like, what is he doing? And he jumps and lands right on the frozen creek and just feet come out from underneath him. He piles up and he's like, don't jump. I'm like, I didn't plan on jumping. That wasn't, definitely wasn't my first thought. There's some, there's some definite differences between, you know, the North, uh, you know, so me being a woodsman is me being over. uh, uh, But you won't do that again, probably. I've learned. I I Flat snow Mm -hmm. normally might mean water. Probably could be slippery. Uh Yeah. Frozen water. So, um. But no, that that was a prime example. That was just a sheer rock. And we fought our way up there, past the dark gun back and forth like three times. Yeah. And uh and on the way out we found a much easier route out of there. Yeah. You won't forget that route though. No, you won't. No. So so that I think that wraps you know, as far as the woodsmen, the hunting. But I was just curious on on your take if if the dogs because I know for me it has made me a more dedicated outdoorsman for other, yeah. you know, like some of my, my hunting partners um, cringe when I'm like, we're going up to the top of that or we're going, you know what I mean? They're like, oh my God, they're going on a death hike with me. Yeah, I think, I, I, I mean, because none of us are going to abandon our furry friends out there. Right. So it makes us more dedicated, you know. You know, until we get to take them home, we're not going home. Yeah. Most yeah. people aren't like that. You know, and, and when Buddy said about, uh, I'll tell you a funny thing, like my wife hunts with me fairly often and we'll ride out some big ridge or whatever and I'll look off in a canyon and she goes, every time you do that, she goes, the difference between you and I is she goes, I know you want to know what's in the bottom of that. And she goes, and I am <laughs> praying that we don't go down there. So there's the difference, you yeah. know. I'm like, I can't wait to see what's down see there. What's and she's like, there. I can't wait to not be down there. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that kind of answers that question a little bit. Why? That is That, that answers why. Yeah. Yep. In, in the past, I think as a kid, at least for me, I didn't have dogs. And so I spent a lot of time four-wheeling up in the mountains because I wanted to be in the mountains right. and spend a lot of time in the mountains. But I didn't have a reason. If that makes sense for me, you know what I mean? Like I, and I, it's funny. I, I joke when I'm up in the mountains now in the snow, 
is those kids take those four-wheelers and they go in the ditch and they go all over the place. They see a, a fresh powder of snow that has no tire track in it. I'm like, I was hunting with Rod one time and, and he was just cussing. Those damn kids in their four-wheelers. And, and now I'm that old man. It's like, those damn kids in the four-wheelers. Like, can't you just keep it on the road? So straight. Yeah, straight through. So I think that would be pretty much my why is I want to be in the mountains as much as I can. You know, and then I'd probably, I well, I'm not going to go get a whole bunch of dogs and start running them because my brain still works. Yeah. <laughs> but that would, if, you know, I see a bobcat or a cougar or something run across the road when I'm in the mountains, and I'd think to myself, well, that's the way to get it. If I want that, dogs is how it's going to happen. It makes you more successful. Right. If you, yeah, exactly. That would make me more successful but i have you guys so i don't need to have the dogs so james or john so if he was to get a dog how would you tell him to get started so so pretend he was going to get started what what's the best advice you got for somebody who's wanting to get into this well i guess for starters i would spend time around you know a different group of guys and and figure out what you want in that dog and try to spend as much time hunting with somebody as you can that's going to hunt in similar conditions to you um you know similar terrain and watch what works for them and and then kind of pick and choose from there as far as you know what you want in a dog whether that be you want a dog that's going to chase bears you want a dog that's you know going to grind old lion tracks out in the dirt um but try to spend time with somebody that that hunts in similar conditions that you do and, and see what works for them, I think would be probably where I would start. Absolutely. That would be the way to do it. And, uh, and know that there's a, that's a long road. Yeah. Yeah. But I think getting, getting with somebody that, that knows like, you know, even just anything remotely similar. Um, I think that that, that right there gives you a jump start that you wouldn't have otherwise for sure and and you're going to and it would depend on what you like if you came to james and said james i want to or buddy or me and said you know you if you had something in mind you wanted to learn how to do i just go on more for james that that in all walks of life there's people that <clears throat> seem to rise higher in that pile than others and i would definitely tell you to go try and attach yourself to people like that because your learning curve and in my life, I certainly can tell you that's happened, but your your learning curve is just, they just cut decades off yeah. of your learning. Uh, and, and, and everything that we do, it, it, it's just the way it is, is a challenge. Uh, none, of, none of it's really easy. Uh, people like James and Buddy make it look easy most of the time. I mean, some, we all have tough days, but it, it's... It, the people that make it look easy, and then when you go start doing it on your own, you're like, "Wait a minute, yeah. this wasn't. Uh, this didn't come with that. That manual didn't say <laughs> yeah. this, you know." Right. So yeah, I, I, but I, James is exactly right to attach yourself to someone that, uh, you know, that that treats their animals good and and you know has good values and stuff and and works hard at it, and then and then if it's in you, you'll go do it. Yeah, right. that's what I would say. So don't just go get a dog and. That's one way to do it. You yeah. can do that. I mean, and that's how we all did it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm not saying that's the easiest path. Right, but nowadays, that's not what you would 
recommend. If you were going to start, I would tell you to probably not start like that. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's that's exactly what he asked. Yeah. Yes. And in the same token, some of that is what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, you, you Right. Well, like, if you just got to take the chance. Well. Try it. I think there's also retrospect on some of it is, is at least for me, I got to learn myself too. You can tell me all day long what not to do. And for some reason I'm like, well, why not? And then, then I go in there and I'm like, oh, oh, that, that's why not, you know? So, so I think there's some truth to learning on your own too. So it's a, it's a, it's a catch 22, you know what I mean? Like there's, you got to learn from people, but at the same time, at least for me, I had to experience it myself to really, because I'm not smart like that. I, I got to do it twice. Well, at some point, you're going to have to go apply what you learned. Yeah. Uh, but it, it would just, if you'd never done it and you wanted to learn how, it, just the, the basic, even getting the machine started part is what I think James and I, yeah. because I'll tell you what, uh, some things I've done in my life, like I've rode in low-flying aircraft a lot at work, thousands of hours, but I'm not a pilot. Right. But I've spent a lot of time doing that but it doesn't make you a pilot. Uh, hanging out with James or Buddy or I very likely wouldn't make someone a hunter, but at least they would get exposed to it. And then as they went and did it, we've all done it. Then you have questions, you know, hey, uh, boy, this happened today. And what do I do? It's like, well, you know, you might've tried this or that, but sometimes those things just happen. Yeah. And and those, you know, the, that's probably the part for me that keeps it interesting is that is there's many facets to this game we play and, and no one has all the answers to them, or at least nobody that I know. No. Yeah. I do think that that starting today versus, you know, even 15 years ago getting into it, I I think for somebody that's wanting to get into it today, it's a lot easier to learn parts of it, you know, with that having gps technology and you know everything else um it it makes some aspects i think a lot easier but i think you also lose a little bit of of knowledge that you know if you're sitting there glued to that gps um you might not learn as much as some of these guys that you can spend time with that that hunted without that stuff so that's a really good segue into this second part was what do you hear in the race so in the race that so I guess describe the the couple races that you've been on. What have the dogs told you versus the GPS? Because cause you're you got you're a blank slate. So we're just going to use that as we get to hear the dogs, and so a lot of times, like we know what's going on when when we caught that cat. That you know, yeah. I mean, I knew that cat was right there. Yes, and and just by the way my dogs were acting, I was like. This is serious. And I heard him locate, and I was actually looking for a track because that cat made a little loop, and I was on this. You know, the dogs didn't make the loop, that, you know, that the cat did because they must have, you know, been screaming. But, I mean, as soon as I heard a dog, I was like, oh, they got it right there. You know, so I didn't have my GPS. I was looking for a track. I was trying to figure out, do we got two cats? I mean, it was just, I was, like, trying to figure out what the heck was going on in that situation. So I was looking at the, the ground, but I could, uh, I could just tell by one bark. I was like, whoa. They got it right there. They, that that cat's up, you know. But were you able to know that? How long did it take you to realize that it was treed? Or did I just say it right away? Uh, no, I think, well, the GPS thing, I, I 
played around with it since you handed me one uh, to make sure I didn't get lost. Uh, I'm not smart enough to use it, and I, I can follow the the colored lines that correspond with the dog's colors on there, and I can see kind of like which direction they're going. But when they're barking, that was always interesting to me to watch you, buddy, know which dog is making those barks. You know, you learn, and you can learn the tone of of each dog's bark, what they're, you know, I remember you telling me you could hear, I don't know, maybe it was Della or Andy, whoever it was barking. And you said, she's frustrated. Right. Her, that bark means she's, she knows there's something here, but she can't figure out where she's frustrated, you know? And, uh, that was interesting. Cause you know, I, I just hear howls and barks and, <laughs> and everything, you know, and I started after, you know, four times going out, I could start telling which dog was make the barking. I don't know what they mean, but I could tell there's different dogs out there, but when they got really excited, you can tell it's, it just seemed like, well, they got excited. They get louder and their barks become a lot more frequent. And it's, it's just, it just kind of gets rowdy and out of control. Well, then they're excited. Then I get excited. Then you're yelling. There's there's one over here, so everybody's just kind of excited. So I don't know if I could really even tell by really? the tones that something was in the tree right there. But I did hear the difference from frustration to, you know, uh, even the dogs talking to each other. Like, come this way. We're right. we're following this way. Or, uh, yeah, I'm I'm lost. The dogs are lost. Or, you know. So the tones thing was was new to me, for sure. John, how many dogs? How many dogs? You, what do you have? Oh, uh, so I have for our listeners, twenty-seven. Okay, but then how many dogs do you take out? Uh, sometimes I take twenty, but I very seldom take less than a dozen. Uh, but and I can tell you. That when I go with John, I'm like, how do you know the difference between your dog? Like 20 yeah. dogs, but you can tell the difference between your dogs. Oh, sure. Every dog, you know what? We're all sitting here visiting, and it's really not any different than this. Buddy's voice is different than mine. Right. James's voice is different than yours. And when you do it all the time, like we do, uh, that's, you know, you're probably pretty perceptive to, you know, you used a, you used a word just a minute ago and you said you could tell those dogs were excited. And, you know, I've taken, over the decades, I've taken a few people with me, and a lot of people are like, well, it just sounds like a bunch of barking to me. And to us, you know, that's a, that's, that's to us is, is like reading a book uh, yeah. or, 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 or hearing a story. You know, they're painting us a picture with, war, with noise is what they're doing. And that excitement like, that you, you picked up on that pretty fast. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, definitely, you know, when the dogs, and I know you've heard all those terms, you know, dogs, you know, if they're trailing on a real tough line track in the dirt or something, they're they're grubbing, working really hard and stuff. But is that track what we would call warm up or heat up, you know, where they're getting closer to it or the conditions get better or whatever, you can hear the difference in their deal. And, and it's funny. I mean, we all have lots of dogs and stuff, but, you know, I have dogs that or really good dogs that they'll start a really old lion track. And I have some of them that are, that are actually really good strike dogs, which means they can detect a real faint smell and, and tell you when they find it. And they might trail a track like that a quarter of a mile, and I'll be riding a horseback or a mule back behind them. And they'll walk back to me and look at me and like, dude, we're never catching this thing. <laughs> we'll and, get... and you know what? They're almost always right. But those other dogs, but sometimes they're not. But I'll tell you that that it it takes all different uh 
I guess it takes all different kinds of positions on a team. I'm not much of a sports guy uh, to do to make a team. And our dogs are kind of the same. There's dogs that, but every once in a while you get a really special one that can do all the jobs really good, which is really cool. Uh, and we all look for that. But just like us, uh, you know, they're not perfect. Uh, right. And yeah. so anyway. But so, so John, what, um, when he said frustrated, and I know how I could tell that dog was frustrated. Do you, how would you tell somebody on your dog's, like an old track that you're not going to catch. What what are some of the telltale signs that you look for when you're like, oh man, that's old, or or that's a that's a that's a good smell. You know what 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 cues do you do you key in on? You know, I guess a, and James can chime right into this, but like you have dogs that that are uh, you know that an old 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 smell maybe doesn't excite them as much, or they. They literally, they can smell it and they'll put tail on it and stuff. And they, I mean, they know the thing's been there, but, but there are some dogs that just literally, you know, that you ride through the country, a horseback or a mule back. And I mean, if, if they even think a lion's been in that country, I mean, they literally, they will, they will scour that whole mountain to find that one little bit of smell. And, uh, I kind of akin, I don't know about you guys. This is a question actually, I guess for Buddy and James, but. I kind of compare tracks that we trail, whether it be, I, I just kind of hunt lions, but uh, to like a dot to dot game. And, and the more dots you erase, the harder they are to hook together. And at some point, no matter for what hunter or what pack of dogs, you won't put those dots together enough to catch it. But you might get far enough ahead that day that the next day, it's a very much a thinking person's deal. Yeah. And I don't know what you got, but anyway, back to Buddy's deal. But uh, I think two things about tracks, like sometimes a track is tough. And here's an interesting thing. I've had dogs over the years that are are really super good dogs. And they are like what I told you, like an old smell that they can barely trail that they, they wouldn't, you know, they, they, they'd strike it and they'd trail it for half a mile. And then they'd almost want to like quit it because they're like, dude, we're not going to catch it. But you could take that same dog. This is one of the things that I think I like the most about doing what we do is that you could take that, this particular dog I'm thinking about. His name was Sam, and I, he died at 15. And that dog, if, if you started a track in horrible conditions, but that was a catchable track, that dog would never quit that. He knew the difference. So yeah. that, that's it. And that's just all of us, as you already figured out, is kind of a I'm not going to say it's an addiction. I'm going to say it's an obsession. I, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a nicer word. That is a uh, nicer word. But I don't know if it's really any different, but it, oh, I'm going to say that. So, and these guys, yeah. but anyway, uh, that, and, and I think that's, again, just people like us that spend a, a big part of their lives with those dogs, uh, using them for what they were born and bred to do uh, as a handler and, and part of that hunting pack. You learn, you know, what, those different dogs are telling you different things. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out like we want it to. No. For any, or at least yeah. not for me. And one key point was, is you were with me whenever Andy started opening up on a track, my puppy, my, my year and a half old puppy. But, and I was like, it was just so odd to me that I was like, that was a new sound in my pack that for me, it was like, I thought it was a coyote. I mean, I was like, she's squealing. She's got an ugly voice. It's like, <laughs> man. But she was up there working. I could see on the GPS, and, and I could see that she was. And so that was something 
you experienced on me that was like, and I was just taken back. I was like, what is that? Yep, I remember that. And it was that. so weird for me. Now, she, now she's she's like talks to me. You know what I mean? Like I I don't think that's weird anymore. But that was that first voice. You know when those when those young dogs open up, you never know what kind of voice it's going to be. Whether it's going to be chop mouth or a ball mouth or you know what I mean they got all these different types of way of, of barking, and hers was was one that I was like, okay, well. That's what I got, a squealy old <laughs> ugly voice in my pack. So we're going to add some of that to it. James, uh, how do you know uh, uh, age your track with voice or what? I mean, what, what keys do you look for? I think it's <clears throat> a combination of voice and, and body language of that dog. And kind of like John had said, there's times where, you know, they can, they can barely pick it up, but that dog's not going to quit. And they might, you know, they might start looping out two, three, four hundred yards trying to figure out where the cat went, where yeah. the track's at. And you have those other times where they pick it up, they'll open, you know, move a little bit, and it's that's just kind of the end of it. I don't know, I guess I don't know what it is about, you know, say you take a track of the same age and, you know, one day they can they can pick it up and they're not going to quit it, and one day they, you know, they'll take it yeah. a couple hundred yards and that's it. But... I think you can kind of watch the body language of that dog and you can watch, I guess, the the drive for that track. And it seems like that changes. Um, yeah. One of the, the keys, and I, I wasn't perceptive enough to pick this up, but Don, Don Gilbert, he was telling me that in his dogs, the longer the bark, the colder the track. And that's why I was wondering if you guys have noticed that. And, and I have seen that, that my dogs will have a... Sh the, when they start getting jumped, it's everything starts shortening up, and and maybe it's because they're breathing more. I don't know, but I was just curious if you guys have noticed that. Well, like Mabel, I mean, if it's a if it's an old old track, she's got just this long drawn out ball mouth. I mean, and it's like a frustrated bark, I guess. Yeah, that's and I think that's where you said frustrated, yeah, because I remember you saying the longer long, the bark. Yeah the colder the track and we heard a bunch of that and you, i remember you saying they're frustrated yeah yeah and you listen to her on that versus i mean you've seen her at a tree it's it's every yeah. single breath yep um and on on a colder older track she's longer you wouldn't even think it's the same dog um yeah listening to it question for you james do you when you said your dogs you know work on that track do you think that's do you think that's conditions or do you pull think your, pull your mic up a little bit there you go do you think that's conditions or, or do you think it's condition of the dog? Like if you've been hunting so hard that they're tired or do you think it's both? I think it's both. Um, you know, if you have that, that real stable conditions, it seems like, like, you know, take a track that's four days old, but you've had just real stable weather, no wind. It stayed, you know, within a five, six degree temperature range. Um, and you have fresh dogs. I feel like you can move that track a lot further than you know if you don't have that those stable conditions and you take those dogs in there after they've been run hard for a week um you know a fresh set of legs goes a long ways that's that's for sure yeah not too fresh yeah not too fresh <laughs> yeah for sure i i because I, I you know we talked last night when we all got a visit but i think conditions are everything you know they're there are times that baffle me still about the things that, that these canines that help us in our everyday life can do. And then 
other times, you know, the, there's things that we think they ought to be able to do, but it, and they can't. And and I think we'll never. I think that's. I think that's why this is so interesting because those things happen enough that you're like, well, why, you know, why could you not do that? And 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 you know, none of us keep dog. You know, that's probably Tracy. Part of this is that those really really special dogs, which we all will be lucky in our life to have a handful of those, and they just, you know. Some of them just don't have an off switch. They just no. literally don't know how to stop. They they they're they're like it's kind of funny. They like they look at other dogs when it's hot outside and they're shading up and stuff, and they're like, "Well, you bunch of losers! I can't <laughs> believe that you're even slowing down." And some of them would shock me. <laughs> they're like, "Hey, get in the Let's truck. Go. We're going." Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they don't. They they're like, "I came to hunt, not go home." Yeah. You know. So. Yep. So uh, the conditions. So that that segues into another conditions i want you to mm-hmm. so what have you seen because you've been in some really crappy conditions I have, so tell me what what about conditions that you've learned the conditions make the hunt essentially yeah uh i had a bunch of questions about that when we first started when we first went uh the 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 tracks in the dirt which john that's seems kind of like your forte with with the lions and stuff uh that seems i i don't i'm i'm not sure i mean we can't see well i can't cuz i'm not conditioned to that i suppose but i i don't see tracks in the dirt i barely see tracks in the snow that are i mean have been there for 10 minutes we uh, you know and just a short story with him I, we're we're hauling out the snowmobile oh jeez i know where this is going I <laughs> and think. i see a track and i hit the brake and i and i uh and I'm like, hey, check that track. And I know damn good and well it's a bobcat. 100%. I mean, I, I seen it. I was 25 miles an hour. Just like, <laughs> I know I'm picking on you. It's okay. Go ahead. No, nothing sacred here. We'll, we'll throw anybody under the bus. That's all right. <laughs> and so I, uh, you know, I, I was just checking him. I was like a dog. You know, I was checking him like a dog. I was like, hey, check that track for me. You know? And he goes in there and he goes, I think it's a coyote. <laughs> I did. I did say that. And, uh. I'm That's an like, easy mistake, though, when you're first starting out. That's, I've, I've oh, turned, yeah. you, you know how many coyotes I've turned loose on, Tracy? Just so you know. <laughs> well, I also later on, I, I said, I think I stopped and I, I got off and I said, well, let me let me show you what this, this track is here. I'll mm-hmm. tell you what this one is. And I was wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while to, to learn that. Oh, you know. Uh, that's uh, it. It's but it's always fun to learn. It is, yeah. Uh, and you know, uh, you got to remember that people like us, with our obsession, I'm going to use that word now. That's my word. I'm going to tell my wife that I'm just obsessed. <laughs> uh, is uh, you know, we all do that so much, and we and we're act. And you said that about looking at, it, and it is true. But you know, <clears throat> after you do it a long time, and you know how to look for tracks and where to look for them and what that looks like. Like when I take a, a lot of dogs with me and like, say they say when it's not frozen and stuff and they trail a, a track up a, like a wash or a big, the bottom of a big Canyon. And uh, I've lots of times had a rancher or someone with me and, and I'll ride along and I can have, you know, 20 dogs have went up that Canyon and I can look in the middle of that and, and see that lion's track real easy and I'll say that to someone, they're like, oh, is this a lion track? And I won't even look at it, and I'll be like, that's a dog. And they're like, <laughs> well, thanks a lot. That hurt my feelings. And I'm like, well, I'm just telling you. And they're like, well, how can you tell? And I, and it's just like, Tracy, I don't even know what you do for a living, but if I went to do that with you, I would be way behind the curve. 
Sure. And it's the same thing as going with us. When yeah. you spend every day doing that, it's not fair. You know, like it's it's not fair because yeah. that's kind of what we do. And they definitely, I, I would tell you, cat tracks that you know, I mean, snow or dirt, or whatever, but they're always smooth. Yeah. You know, they don't even even you know, it's crazy. Like even when a cat kind of is trotting or even running. You know, they don't disrupt a lot of things. When you watch the way they put their feet and stuff, it is, uh, we were watching a video the other night and, and uh, the remark I made, and I've got a, been blessed to see lots of them in my lifetime, you know, and stuff. But when they move, it always reminds me of smoke. It's just like, doesn't it kind of, you? Yeah. It's, it's like fluid. It's not, it, when they move, it's completely different than anything else like we see lots of deer and elk and coyotes and stuff but when you see and and mostly like you said that's what i do but a but a bobcat too the little bit that i've hunted but when a cat moves it's it is so different than other animals i think and once you get that i guess once you get the eye for it you know like buddy said there's you could be going down the highway at 45 50 miles an hour in good conditions and oh there's you know that was a line track yes i've I've seen that since i've been Around. Yeah, we joke about that the little bit that snow, like if we have a good brand new snow, I call that 40 mile an hour snow because you can go so fast, you know, and <laughs> yeah. you're not going to miss very many if they, you know, if they do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was kind of, it was a really good explanation. I, it's, it's a clean track. It's the best thing I can, I can explain is I, half the time I'm not looking for the print. I'm looking how it walks through the, the cadence. Yeah. How the yes. cadence. And you right. can even look at that through the middle. I just had this the other day where. Turn loose on a, a pretty old track, and I had dogs going in the beginning two separate directions, and I was trying to figure out. I in my head, I knew who was right, but I was checking to make yeah. sure that what I thought was going on was actually going on. And I had a buddy with me that he doesn't get to go very often. He doesn't have dogs, but he he enjoys to go, um, but just not a ton of experience. And so I I'm down following the dogs down to where they split and on snowshoes and it's thick brushy not enjoyable to walk in and uh he hollers he's like oh I, I got the track right over here i got the track right over here and i'm like in my head i'm thinking well maybe the dogs i thought were wrong are actually right and so i tromp over there and it's not an enjoyable trek to get to where he's at and instantly <laughs> i look at him like no it's dogs that's, yeah. that, that's no, there's no lion there and walk back to where i thought it was at and it was there but um you know even in the middle of that dog tracked up mess you do it enough and you get to where you can look right through all that and and see that lion track yeah for sure yeah because they just look different yeah and they travel like if you learn where they where they walk and how they walk and and i've i've picked up on some of of the the traveling uh you know motions of of different critters since i've gone with you you know yeah a coyote wouldn't cross a log, you know, walk, walk across a, a fallen, a yeah. fallen log, you know, it's, and if we see tracks there, even if they're old, it probably wasn't yeah, a coyote think, or a deer. I think I see, I was like looking down in a draw and it was like 20 yards off and I see this track way down this little draw, you know, I can't look at it, but I'm like, that's a cat. <laughs> like there, there was a cat right there. I, um, so yeah, like it, it is, but like, I think John said the best experience it, you know, so. Um, but that's interesting. I was, I'm glad we hit that topic. But back to conditions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The conditions make everything, um, that I've, that I've noticed w- from rain, uh, 
actually, there's a lot of stuff I learned about the conditions that I, I wouldn't have even really thought about. Uh, the way smell transfers, you know, from a track to the air, whether it's frozen, which I kind of didn't, that's not something that, I don't know if everybody thinks that way, but I didn't. So James, let, let's talk about frozen tracks because James probably got good experience on, on frozen. Cause frozen. I re- yeah, there's, and especially as we get later into the spring and you get that, you know, it warms up during the day. There's not much snow left, but warms up, snow gets soft. You know, cats travel before it freezes overnight, and then the next morning you're in there and everything's just frozen rock solid. Um, you know, at that point, depending on how frozen it is, it's like similar to running something down the asphalt. There's, but what I've, I guess, something that I've learned and whether or not it's just been by luck or not, but I've gone into places um, and and tried to run a frozen track, have the dogs, you know, you had, somebody, turn up. you had somebody trying to tell you to run a frozen track <laughs> yeah. before. Kind of, kind of turn up a little bit and not really be able to take it. And I've given that track three or four hours, let the sun come out, and then let that snow soften up. And the sand rises up. And, and you can go back and run that frozen track better at noon than you can run it at six in the morning. Um, in my experience, I guess. Absolutely. So something about, that's why when I was asking James about conditions, and he he already touched on it, but I tell you, no matter what the condition is, it, 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 for me, whatever medium that that track was laid in, whether it would be dirt or snow or whatever, you want conditions to not change. Constant conditions make for better trailing. And it's really interesting, like what James, a lot of people make a a bigger deal than it is to go catch a lion like in the summertime when it's hot and dry outside. Uh, there are some challenges to that, mostly about keeping your dogs in real good shape and stuff. But when it's dry and it's consistent, that's actually easier than what he was talking about when it's 50 in the daytime and 18 at night. That is tougher than catching one for me. I'd rather go hunt in August than when it's like that. Yeah, for but sure. Myself. Well, that's one of the conditions that I've seen with with both of these two, James and Buddy, is is the drip. Oh, uh, when, when it's cold in the morning, you get there, you're on something. And then next thing you know, it's, it's 11, 12 in the afternoon and it's warming up and everything's coming out of the trees. Now you have brand new, wet, slimy snow everywhere and everything's covered and there's no more smell. Yeah. And that, that slows you down a lot. I mean, you get to where they get in under those trees and you can listen to it. I mean without even watching it where they get into that drip and it gets quiet and they're grinding, grinding, grinding. And they might hit a spot in an opening where that cat had crossed and, you know, there's, there's no trees right above it and they'll pick that track up there and they'll go another 10 feet and it's vanished. And if yeah. you can usually, if you can get work through that drip to a point where that track is warm enough and they're getting close enough, you you have pretty good odds of catching it. If they can work it through that drip, I feel like, and come out on the other side of it to where it's, you know, whether you get on the other side of the ridge and it's colder or whatever. Um, and my experience, I guess, if you can get a dog to work through that drip and get up to the point where they're out of it, you have pretty good luck at catching that cat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that the drip is just terrible. I mean, it, or you just keep hammering it till the afternoon and it starts cooling back down yeah. and things start helping again. 
So one of my mentors, uh, when I first started this a long time ago, had told me, said, you know, the only two things that keeps you catching, from catching a lion is time and distance. Yep. And, and when you dissect it down to its smallest degree, I don't know about you guys, but that, I mean, let's face it, it, it even no matter what the conditions were, if the thing was 50 yards from you, you'd probably catch it. Yeah. Might get away, but probably not. But the farther that that, that lion travels and the more time goes by, the harder it's going to be to hook those dots together and get it done. Uh, so constant conditions certainly make that easier, but but time and distance is is what stops you from being successful uh, in my endeavor most of the time. Yeah, and I had, I guess, you know, there was a point in time where, and I remember this, we trailed this bobcat um, just a really long ways, and dogs were having a tough time with it, and we'd gone down through some sagebrush country and kind of all over the place, and we were on foot, and I mean, we're miles into this thing, and I'm starting to get frustrated, and uh, the guy I was with, because I'm like, you know, how far did this thing go? And he turns and looks at me. He goes, well, all they have to do is walk around. That's all they got to do all day is just walk around. And so it's like <laughs> you start thinking about it like that. And then, you know, it's all, that's their only job is to walk around and eat. And so. And by golly, sometimes they, they do a lot of walking. Yeah. They, uh, the, uh, my other favorite one of that is like, well, I've told this to people that have been a little saddle sore with me on a, several different occasions. And they're like. Man, how far did this thing go? And I go, well, he's standing in the last four tracks he made. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, the conditions. Uh, I saw a bobcat, and the dogs were, I mean, a hundred yards, less than a hundred yards behind it, and couldn't couldn't smell it. Yeah. In the drip, they were working the it, but it was they could not. It was it was a it was a crap. And I at that point. It was late. I pulled. They'd been working on it for two hours. Right. I was like, we. But on the flip side, if I pulled them, I was never going to catch it. You know, like I, I, we had to pull them so we can get back to the truck and all that. Absolutely. But half of me, part of me, was like, just let them keep going. I mean, if it, 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 the odds of catching it weren't very good if I let them keep going, but they were worse if I when I pulled them. Like at the point where I pulled them, I was like. I would I would like to you know because sometimes and I don't know if you guys ever done this but you're like there's no way and all of a sudden like a light switch it changed maybe it went in a different area it got out of the area that had the drip or you know went into an area that had different trees or different cover or something or the or the temperature started coming back down you know um, you just never know that's the, that's the the beauty of it is you just sometimes you just never know you well have and that to cat could be laid up right on the other side of that ridge. You know, you might be having, and I've I've had that a lot where you go from barely moving that track to a jumped race. I mean, just that fast. And so that's where I, and sometimes I think I probably push those tracks maybe further than I should. You know, you get, get to the point where you're out there on snowshoes, you know, covering just as much ground as those dogs are yourself trying to find that track. Um, and then get far enough away from a road or anything else. And it's like, why am I even out here? Why did, you know, why did I do this? But for me, it's that, you know, you never know it, that line could be laid up just right on the other side of that hill. And, you know, after you have a few of those where you feel like there's no way you're going to catch it. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're caught. Yeah. Um, 
it's just always in the back of your mind to, you know, he, he very well could just be right over the top of this hill. The next corner. It's always the next corner. You get to that next corner and sometimes next, it's like, well, he's got to be, he's, yeah. he's got to be laid up over here. He'll be right there, right there. And that's probably something that just keeps us going so hard is you see that and you just, you just let him, you, you get, and I think there's two, maybe two different types of hunters, but there's definitely hunters that once they start doing that, I mean, I know the first time with with Don, it was like, oh my God, he won't leave this thing alone. It's like, even in the beginning, I was just like, let's go find another cat. There's gotta be, there's, there's another cat somewhere. And Don kind of taught me, you know, how to just stay on that thing. And, and the truth was, is he was successful at catching and, and the, his dogs got better. And, and that's just it. You'll never have, you know, if all you ever do is run the easy tracks, yeah. fresh, hot, easy tracks you're only going to ever have dogs that are able to catch fresh, hot, easy yeah. tracks. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I guess in my opinion. Yeah. That's, I, I would agree with that a hundred percent. Do you guys ever, uh, like John, do you, uh, so like in that situation, you know, I, I knew a while before we pulled the dogs off that we weren't going to catch that cat about the time I got down there and they turned, I thought, okay, here, here we go. We're going to about ready to jump and catch it. And then when it, when I listened to those dogs, fizzle out i was like oh no they still can't move it and i still let them go another hour and a half you know just because for me I mean, what else are they gonna be in the box you know i drive you know I, I was like well they're still learning they're still working you know right and, and the the dedication do you do you ever let them keep working when you know you're oh, not gonna catch it oh yeah i i you've hunted with me enough you kind of yeah. know how that i i'm i i'd say my pack of dogs and me are all pretty persistent about and what james said about that a lot of what i do you know we we will cold trail those things for hours you know and 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 people that aren't accustomed to that that you can tell that they you know when you when you go 15 or 20 miles in rough country a horseback after one of those things people are like man you know they're you know at this time of day this time of year they're like we're a long ways from our truck and i'm like i'm like that literally doesn't enter my mind. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I came here to do a specific thing. Right. And if those dogs aren't going to quit, then I'm not going to quit. And, and then we kind of talked about that already, but yeah, but sometimes, you know, the time that I do, and I, we've talked about this, but the time that you have to be careful that I have to be careful is when it's real hot outside, you have to be the one to stop them. Cause I have dogs that will hunt till they die. And so we got to be the ones to keep them safe. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it seems like if you, you know, if you end up, in my experience at least, if you ever let that dog get to the point where you do heat stroke a dog, um, it seems like you don't ever have that same dog back that you had beforehand. True story. Um, you know, whether it's after that point they overheat easier or whatever it is, it seems like if you get, if you work a dog to that point of exhaustion, you don't ever have the same dog that you had before that happened. Right, and so it's our job to, to and, and the problem is in a lot of this country where I hunt, there's not a lot of water. And uh, so, and, and we all know the country where we work and hunt good, but, you know, sometimes you'll be two or three miles from them getting a drink. And so you've got to be, that. that's probably the thing that, you know, it's like, those things are, kind, they're not kind of, those are my family, so I'm not going to let them kill themselves, you know. Uh, and so lots, many times you'll have to stop them and, and, and some of them aren't very thrilled about that. Yeah. You know, they like, you know, the technology, I'll tell you, uh, James already hit on this, but like 
from when we all started till now, uh, the technology that is available to, to handle our dogs and stuff, we can keep them a lot safer, uh, whether it's from that, you know, having to get them to water, or uh, I've had to stop my dogs from trailing into a highway where I know they got hit by a car, uh, or, or or things like that, or like James has to deal with wolves all the time. Uh, I think as hunters and dog owners, that that's one of the biggest things that that helps us with is it, it it probably doesn't really, I don't know about you guys, but I don't, I don't really think it helps you catch that much more stuff. It just helps you, it, 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 for me, the way I hunt, it just, it keeps them safer and it, and it keeps me it from. It removes a lot of the stress, I feel yes, like. Yes, that, that's, that's exactly right. It makes it easier, makes it a little easier on your heart when they're, you know, when you're out there and there's hazards for them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know. the anxiety level. Well, and you, you know, you don't ever have to, and I don't, I'm sure you guys at some point in time have, have had to leave a dog overnight in the woods, um, you know, back in the days of just telemetry and you couldn't get to them, couldn't find them, you know, whatever it may be. And now when you're running an alpha and you know exactly where that dog was, or even if the collar breaks, you know exactly where he was before the collar broke, um, at least for me, the days of ever having to leave a dog out overnight, um, that I just, you just don't have that anymore. And like you said, the wolves, I mean, now it's not even really an option. You know, the, the leaving right. dog out overnight is not even really an option in, yeah. in most of the country that I'm hunting in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you just hate to do it. You yeah. know, I, I mean, we've all had to do it, but it's sure something, it, it's certainly with the advent of that and having buddy to, help learn how to operate that stuff it certainly doesn't happen very much anymore right i've uh i've heard stories from my dad and and other you know friends of of running hounds back in the day uh, and it was just a bell on a collar and you just let them go and follow a bell and barks and you just if they don't come back you look for them until you can't look for them and then you go back the next day and look for them until you can't look for them and then you hope they come back or they don't Sometimes, unfortunately, uh, one memory that I have as a kid is my dad and I found somebody's hound in the middle of nowhere. and He was alive on the road, so we picked him up and took him back into town. Had a collar, you know, with his name on it, so we called the dude, and he was ecstatic to have his dog back. But he had been out for three or four days, the dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you're leaving sweatshirts on the side of the road and shoveling straw <laughs> on the side of the road. And anything that smells familiar to that dog, you know, it, it's having that technology today is it it's a huge stress relief and in a lot of ways at least for me oh yeah. every i everybody i know you know yeah. uh makes it safer for you you know if your dogs are caught somewhere and you can look at that topo map you know which part of the world you can go through to get to them yeah instead of going and getting to a big cliff that you can't get you know you, you know you need to go around you know some i there that i can't say enough about that that's yeah. a that's a big deal all right. Any more questions we got? I want to touch on some of those topics while we got everybody here, because this is really good. Um, backtracking. I heard you guys talking earlier about backtracking. Um, John, I want you first. You tell me what you were you were saying about back a dog taking a backtrack and what you. So again, the, uh, I'll I'll talk about it, but it's going to be a question to you guys as much as a deal, but. Uh, in in my experience and the experience of, of 
some of the folks that I've been around a lot that have a worlds of experience doing this that uh, uh, I've never seen a dog that wouldn't take a lion track backwards. Uh, and what I mean by that is if, if we were to ride, like say we rode south from right here, mm -hmm. and uh, we were riding south and a lion had come down this canyon over here going north, and and my dogs and I ride into that track head on, I and that's why I was asking James, but my dogs are going to trail that the way they're pointed. Yeah. Uh, I and 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 I don't have them turn themselves around. If you teed into a real fresh track, I, I we were kind of talking about this, this things that people hunters talk about. I think uh, if you're having a good week and everything's good and stuff, you know, I think over half the time or sixty percent, I don't know, I wouldn't give it a percentage, but that they should go the right way. But I'll tell you, as tracks age and stuff. Uh, I can tell you a couple of things. I have seen, I have hit lion tracks and trailed them backwards for quite a distance and finally found a track or a scratch or whatever and got the dogs caught and turned them around and go right back to where we've started that and they can't trail it an inch forwards. Yeah, I've had that, that exact same thing. So James, so what do you, what do you think that is? I, you know, we talked about this a little bit last night and whether it's, you know, similar to trailing into a kill versus trailing out of that kill um and how a lot of times you can trail into that kill a lot easier than they can leave it um and you know in your mind that trailing out should be the fresher side of that they you know should be able to move that easier that direction but whatever it is i mean there's times where getting it trailed out of that kill is a lot tougher than it was to get it there um and i don't whether it's conditions or, you know, I, I don't know what that is, but um, it's something you see fairly often. Like you say, they can start one backwards and take it all day long and, you know, not like they're moving it real hard and fast, but they're able to move it and, like you say, go right back to that same spot and for whatever reason, the spot, you know, and, and I've had them still want to go back, you know, they're trying to go forwards and they, they just keep looking back mm -hmm. and, I don't know what it is that causes that, but. And, and, you know, we can't see what they smell. Uh, but I know, you know, when you, you know, when you're seeing a track and you're seeing if it's a Tom line and you're seeing a scratch and stuff, and you know, that's the direction you need to go. And, and I used to, in my younger days, get, you know, pretty frustrated and irritated about things like that. Now it's like, you know, they're, they're not doing that on purpose. They're, they're, they're doing what they can do. Yeah. Uh, and it's our job as their owner, is their, you know, we all, a lot of my friends and I from down in the Southwest joke about that, but uh, the, the guy that's sitting on the horse of their mule is supposed to be the brains of the pack. And I don't, that's using that pretty mm -hmm. loosely as you already know, but uh, you know, sometimes they just, it's conditions or it's whatever it is, but yeah, they, it, you know, uh, I've never, but anyway, I've never owned a dog that has a trail lion backwards. And we talked about this, but sometimes if you trail into where a lion has done a lot of milling around or if they'd made a kill or something, uh, James and I were talking about that just before we started this and how hard that can be to line that out. There's just this, you know, it's, it's like you look and look and look and you can't find a lion track and now there's a million of them. Yeah. And it's like, and and I and like James said, sometimes I don't let him talk about that. But sometimes maybe you can get out far enough to get out of that mess. Yeah, get get looped far enough out of that mess to where you can 
maybe possibly find a track that's going the right way and and i usually like we talked about i mean you get down into that and if you can get to the dogs and you got dogs going three different directions um like we had said you know i i don't usually get too hard on them at that at that point at all because they're they're still smelling a cat i mean you know they're still doing their job and they're still smelling a cat but until i can physically get down in there and see you know which way is actually the right way um you know i'm never going to get after a dog for for doing its job but you do have a tough time with that especially you know in in some of that terrain you just can't get out far enough away from it to figure out which way it's really going right so rough and steep and and the more time the dogs spend in there back and forth and around and you know as time goes by and they're they're in there in that mess it makes it harder and harder and harder to get out of it okay so I've heard backtracking now for the seven, six or seven times I've I've come out and done this with, with you guys. Are you talking about the dogs running the cat in the wrong direction, following its tracks in the wrong direction, <clears throat> excuse me, or the cat like coming into somewhere, spinning around and going out on the same set of tracks? So that wouldn't necessarily be backtracking if it if it came in and went out on its same track then they're following it the right way but right so if they're if you're physically looking at a track and it's pointing north and your dogs are headed south that's backtracking that's backtracking so my initial thought when i first heard backtracking was uh the cat coming back on its own doubling yeah we'd we'd say that double back on itself or in in a cat and they do do that right yeah they do do that but what I sorry, what I was talking about is is uh, whatever animal we're trying to catch is traveling a certain direction, and we're going the opposite direction. Right. That's yeah. what we, James yeah. and I. The odds were of just... catching that cat are, are significantly <laughs> significantly yes. reduced. Unless it makes a big circle back on itself, you're probably not going to catch them going backwards. Right. Right. Uh, so my thought was backtracking was the cat or whatever you're pursuing following its own trail out no. of somewhere. And they do do that, and that can be difficult for dogs to figure out. Uh, but that really wouldn't be exactly what th- that's. We, we would, I would commonly refer to that as doubling back. Yeah. yeah. Sure. You know, if that makes sense. It does, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, that's yep. a good question. No, absolutely. So, uh, and, and doubling back would be, can be really tricky for dogs. I know um, the, the cat we did catch, Tracy, I, I, watched the video and it doubled back on its tray went and yes. made a loop at a tree where i thought maybe it was going to tree and i we actually walked in there looking because i thought them rotten scoundrels deep mm-hmm. scoundrels flea bugs. they uh they had it and and they you know trailed out on their own track well after a couple hours later and the dog's going back again to that spot and watching where they did you know we, we weren't efficient at catching that cat we did catch it but it wasn't efficient, and it wasn't, you know, the dogs had to work about three times as hard to do it. But it had backtracked, and then it peeled off about 150 yards from where. It had doubled back. Doubled back. Yeah, yes. not backtracked. See, that's so, where I was. Yeah. That's... See? Yep. It doubled back on it for 150 yards, and and my dogs kept going on the backtrack, or or the double back. But then they went to it. So they went from the double back to the backtrack, and right. then they would try to do the backtrack. So. so there was a lot of double back backtrack in one race right and that was um interesting and and i tell you what i don't know about you or 
James, but that's a real um, point of anxiety when when the dogs do that for me. Because I'm like... You think they're screwed up, Yeah, but you don't know for certain if they're screwed up. <clears throat> Especially if it's a clean turnaround. You know what I mean? If it's that clean, it's like... Because mentally, you're like, is that a tree right there? Or did that thing really go back there? And as the longer it stays on the track, I start breathing when it leaves the track. That's when that's when I go like, okay, we're still good. And I don't, I, you know, you you hunt bobcats a lot more than I hunt bobcats, and with lions, you don't necessarily, I feel like, see that as often as you do with bobcats. Um, not to say that it doesn't happen, because it most definitely does, but chasing bobcats all the time, I think you see that a lot more than you do. Yeah. Just you know, running. And folks and more on lions. And I don't think it's really widespread, but I, I I do know there's several times that I've held my breath thinking, what in the hell's going on? And then when I watch it peel off and keep the same steam, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh yeah, it's a, it's still a jumped race, you know? Yeah. And, you know, because at that point, it's normally a jumped race, you know, when they, well, I guess that's not always the case. No, I, you know, it's not uncommon to, you know, trail a lion out a ridge or out a bluff line for a half a mile, turn around and rock right back and then turn off at a right angle. And I think that they just do that in their everyday life. They do it when they're jumped too, but they just do that in their travel. So if if it if a lion's trailing out a, a, a ridge, yep. and how far do you think it goes before well, it Well, I'll around? tell you what, as we talked about this, I can tell you a few years ago, I had one that was uh, about five years ago that uh, I was needing to catch up with pretty bad and it was real hot outside. And uh, we got this track going early in the morning, and it was real dry country. And and uh, they jumped that lion, and and uh, I was within earshot of them when they jumped it. And I heard them go around a big bluffy point into a real rough mahogany kind of a canyon. And by the time I had rimmed out, those dogs, it it was hot. I mean, at daylight, it was seventy, you know, so it was going to be a really hot day. And uh, those dogs had run off in there, and I and and again, this is a Garmin thing. Well, I mean, the dogs figured, but this is. But I could confirm it with this. I've maybe I've told you this story, but those dogs were 792 yards in front of me when I got up there, and they were all scattered out in a big lose. And boy, it was—I mean, it, this is tough country too—not just rocks and grass and no no trees hardly at all. Few mahoganies and stuff. A juniper here and there, but anyway, uh, one of my old dogs—I mean, 792 yards—pretty good poke. And I'm standing on this point. I hopped off my my saddle mule and I was standing there looking at my garment and they were all searching they were in a big lose and I thought boy if this doesn't get figured out in the next couple of minutes I'm in big trouble because this is and it was something I needed to get done and all of a sudden Rex my old black dog that's out here crippled now here he come looking on the garment here he comes down that backtrack not saying a peep right the way he just went in there and I mean that dog is hauling the mail I mean he is flying and he ain't barking and I'm thinking, what on earth? And I'm standing on this big point that's probably 30 feet tall. And there's a big rock slide off to my right, and it's full of mahoganies and dead juniper trees and stuff. And that dog came all the way, so 792 yards, came right back past me, went about another 50 yards, and hung a left and went south off that mountain, barking every breath. Really? And so went down there and caught that line. Those other dogs would have never caught that thing. But he figured that out. That's the furthest I've had one. But I know what you're, because I was thinking exactly what, I was like, are you kidding me? We literally just ran this thing through here. But you know what? I, again, I, I 
you know, I didn't overreact to that. I just was like, whatever. And he, and so that's another thing. And that, that's just something that sometimes our canine friends make us look really good and do stuff like that. But he sure did that day. Cause I, I literally could, that, like the next dog was four minutes behind him. Really? Oh, he'd had it caught for a while. You know, he, he went down there and he actually baited in a big, on top of a big boulder. And so th- uh, that wasn't jump. That was just that lion trailing down there, 800 no, yeah, yards. That lion, that lion had got jumped under that rim mm-hmm. and ran all the way out there and then turned around and went right back on his track and then off. So it would have been shaped like a, a exact hairpin with a 90. Yeah. But the 90 was 792 yards plus 50, so eight. 842 yards really? back its track before it turned off and went. That's a long ways. You know, 50 yards or whatever, you know, they might get lucky, but boy, that far, that dog was using his brain to. Yeah. Well, we had that collared line do that exact same when you were there, buddy. That line we had collared that the dogs overrun it, yeah. made a hard 90, yeah. and it come back on that hard 90 and went right back in the way that it had come. And, you know, like we had talked about, if you didn't have a collar on that cat, you'd have been really confused as to what the hell was going on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that same sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. I had one there in kind of that real similar country to that. There's one tree, and game warden I was with kind of joked that we'd caught it in the only tree in the county. And uh, <laughs> He's not joking. There's yeah. no trees over there. <laughs> but he'd been there, and so... Uh, it had killed, it, it had killed was, a calf. Hold on. I, well, just don't, don't forget your story, John. I, we meet, I take the kids over to James to go hunting with the kids, you know, and, and the first thing I am, I, I'm like, where do you hang a deer? <laughs> if we got to skin a deer, I'm like, how do you guys skin deer? Like, there's nothing here. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to go to his garage. I mean, you can't just like pull up in a tree. Anyways, I, I disrupted you, but yeah, ahead. so it, this line had killed a calf, uh, the day before actually. and. I think I was out of town or it, it had been for whatever reason, 24 hours after the fact. And the rancher had actually seen the lion drag calf across the road. And, uh, so he calls the next day, game warden calls the next day. It's about eight in the morning and it's already getting warm out. It's June. Um, and he says, you think we can catch this cat? And I'm like, well, we can try in the back of my head. I'm thinking, you know, maybe it's going to be tough. Yeah. And so, I I run home, grab dogs, and run down there and meet the rancher. And he says, yeah, the calf's right down here in this little bit of a draw. And uh, so I go down there, and I can't find – I mean, there's no dead calf anywhere in this. And I walk back out, and I I ask the rancher, I'm like, are you sure that that this is where it was at? And he says, you see that pile of grass right there? And he – He'd gone down there and pulled his ear tag out of the calf. He's like, I got the ear tag right here in my truck. It drug it right through here. And I mean, it was, I could see it from the road. And so I'm like, well, all we can do now is just turn dogs out and let them kind of free cast up this hillside and see what happens. And so we do that and they leave and don't say a word. And, but they're going and they take off and make, we could watch the whole race. They make this just huge giant loop. And three quarters of the way through it, still haven't said a word. And we're standing on the edge of this this little draw uh, with the only tree in the county and uh, kind of like a dry creek bed. And dogs start coming back, and they're lined out right at us at this point in time. 
and we'd been standing there for an hour watching this and uh they start opening and they're 200 yards away from us and they're making some noise and game warden looks at me and goes your dogs are running back to us i look I'm like no they're they're not running back to us well sure enough i mean they come right by us 100 miles an hour you could have reached out and caught one of them um making all sorts of racket they go 50 yards past where we're standing throw on the brakes spin around and they got it bait up in a sagebrush patch right there and it, it squirts out of that and luckily climbed that one tree that was there but we'd stood there for an hour within you know 50 75 yards of this cat and it was just laid up in the brush we had no idea it was even there um and he was you know if he'd gone a little bit further he'd have been right back in there on his own track uh from where he started so he just didn't have time to get there well we're just about wrap up i got that one more question do you think cats know what tree they want to climb and when do you think they they pick it because I've seen bobcats, and maybe my dogs just suck, and so they got you know they're, they're not pressured good enough. But like like in reprod, you know, uh, you know, timber ground, it'll be one big tree. A lot of times, like I'll catch that bobcat in that big tree, big, big. I think it bird. depends on how much pressure you're putting on them. Because I've seen out, you know, <laughs> appreciate I, that's why I got good friends. I've seen. Man. I've seen <laughs> great big lions and tiny little trees get up there and i've even had them you know in a tree that's too small for them to the point where they fall out and and hit the ground and then they have to find another tree because they fall out <laughs> that, that tree was not a good choice yeah. um and so i i really think that i think in their mind they probably have an idea of mm -hmm. this is going to be a safe tree but i think it really depends on how much pressure you're putting on them when you know you do catch those I, ju big cats I just trees. see a lot of bobcats hit trees that are mistletoed out in the top and brushy and giant. Just the bigger ones, yeah. yeah. Like, like, and I just notice it. Like, I'll be you can be running one. I'll be like, "There's a tree. It's going to end up in." You know what I mean? Really? And, yeah. You know, I've 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 had the opportunity. I know James has too to to watch over the years quite a number of lions tree quite a ways in front of the dogs, and. uh you know, it's interesting to watch them do that. Like, like I distinctly remember two years ago, one we were trailing one in a big rough creek drainage with uh, big hike bluffs and lots of rock slides, and the dogs had trailed down across this drainage, and uh, I hadn't crossed the drainage yet, and I heard the the tempo of that track pick up, and I thought, you know, they're going to jump that thing, and so I stayed on the side I was on, and and uh, the dogs went out of sight in a big. Uh, flat juniper mahogany patch up on this this plateau and uh, I saw something move out of the corner of my eye I was looking ahead kind of where they're at and I thought it was Simmer my red dog and I look at it as it was the lion and uh, that lion was going right back the way they just come I mean, it had went right through all the dogs so the dogs are all south actually and this lion was going back to the north that lion ran right back down its track maybe two three hundred yards down over the side of the rim and there's a big leaning kind of a cow shade dug fir tree there on a little bitty north slope and that line ran right up to the base of that and looked around looked back where those dogs were and then just walked up it real slow so I, you're probably right but like james said though i, I mean i've actually had my dogs tree them in sage bushes yeah and, and you know at that point they're just like 
I don't have anywhere else yeah. to go. You I, know, and I think yeah. that is a, a absolute time that happens. But you know, le, le, leaners for for lions, you see a lot of leaners. Quite a few, yeah. Yeah, um, are growing out of the you know growing right out of the side of a rock cliff, kind of yes. leaning out. That's and, where they like to, you know, the the. And again, I think that you know what's funny, James. I was going to ask you, but like, I'll have my dogs. I'll be hunting in places where there is quite a few trees. Uh, but still bluffy and rock slides, and I've I've bayed in holes and caught on bluffs a number of lions where there's multitudes of good trees for them to tree in, but yet they and still they choose to not to, yeah. to not climb up a tree. Like in some of this country, like you and I were talking about, they they literally don't have an option. There's rocks or grass. You and know, I've so. seen them even um, one that I distinctly remember where we were running that cat through a bunch of just lodgepole slash and blowdown. And uh, that lion jumped up on a slash pile and was kind of on a bunch of tipped over leaning lodgepole trees. And his ass was right up against a perfectly good tree to climb. And for whatever reason, that cat stood right there on that log. And, you know, we had probably seven, eight, nine dogs on the ground. And it looked up that tree once like it was going to climb. And then it decided, nope. And it, it came right off right down into the middle of that dog's. And, uh, that started a train wreck from one side of that hillside to the other and that slash and we had bleeding dogs tied out across the whole hill and finally after about the fourth time it got up on a slash pile and came out of it we caught it and i guess I mean, you could call it a tree but it was mostly just a blowdown mess and he stayed put for long enough to we actually darted that cat but um you know, for whatever reason, he he didn't want to climb, and there was nothing wrong with him as far as you know, broken foot or anything like that. He just he decided he wasn't going to climb. James, when that happens, do you think that things had an experience where it's been caught before, or whatever? Do you think it just just doesn't feel like climbing a tree? You know, in in that instance, in the area that we were at, I wouldn't be surprised if if that cat had been run pretty hard before. Um, but also in that area there it's a pretty dense wolf population in there and i think that and you know i'm don't have any science behind this but i really do think that those wolves start pressuring those lions and coming in on a kill and coming in on a kill and that line gets to a point where it decides okay i'm done taking this and you know i've been chased by wolves enough times or part of me thinks and whether or not this is true or not um, you know, that lion gets pushed and pushed and pushed by wolves and then finally gets a single wolf that's pushed it to that point. And one-on-one, -on -one, I think that lion kills that wolf. Mm -hmm. And so I think they do that a couple times. And, you know, I went from, I, I used to be totally comfortable running one or two dogs on a lion. And, you know, after having a couple killed and everything else, I mean, now I want, four or five, ten, yes. <laughs> however many dogs you can get in there. Yeah, um, I think they're safer. And and I do think that what I've seen, I guess, is our as our wolf numbers have gotten higher, we've had more problems with cats on the ground um, than I ever did before. Mm -hmm. And I haven't had that yet here. I'm sure we're headed there. Uh, but that's an interesting – that's why I ask because it's like I always wonder, you know, it seems like they're pretty good at climbing trees and then you – have one where there's all kinds of good trees, but yet they choose to not yeah, climb yeah. up in a tree. And I guess it's no different than, you know, walking a bear down a creek all day long and perfectly good timber, you know. I, I haven't bear hunted yeah. in a long time, but 
I guess real similar. For whatever reason, they just decide they're not going to go up. They just pass a bunch of good trees. I'm like, well, I didn't like that tree. Yeah. Maybe it's not the right one. One thing I've noticed about the trees and cats is they're really hard to see up there. Yeah. Bobcats, for sure. Yeah. Um, Especially in the area you guys are on. It's crazy. I can't. I would have never imagined that. Yeah. I, I mean, the only experience I have of, of that is, you know, on television. And they're always in, you know, wide open trees and it's on television. Oh, yeah. But here I, we are in the snow laying on our backs with binoculars looking up at these trees <laughs> trying to find. I've had them. Like, uh, oh, my goodness. One that I, I really remember. We caught a bobcat one day and, I mean, knew for certain that the cat was in this tree. And I had a buddy that even, he climbed the tree as high as he could get up into this kind of big section of mistletoe. and. Climbed all the way up there, and we couldn't find this cat. And uh, finally, it's like, well, he's he's not in here, whatever, you know. We're going to have to go back to the truck. We walk all the way back to the truck. We're coming off the mountain. The other buddy I with I, that was with us stops, slams on the brakes, says, we're going back. We turn around. We walk back in there to that tree, and sure enough, there's an out track coming out of that tree. And that, <laughs> that cat had been in the tree. Uh and and we couldn't find it, and we went back and and ran it again out of that out track out of that tree. But yeah, like you say, sometimes those bobcats get get into places you don't have really that problem with lions, but um, those bobcats can surely get into some places. It's almost like they lay totally flat and then don't move. They are difficult, and it's the hard part is is when you're a guy like me. We're, I don't know who's we're joking with Phil or Nate or one of the podcasts that. I don't trust the dogs enough, you know, yeah. so I won't pet a dog until I confirm that it's good. I mean, that's just, I, the two things I don't do is, uh, I, I, I've gotten away from encouraging a tree. So it's like Andy, you, you know what I mean? I, if she's not going to tree on her own, I don't, I don't mess with it right now. I like, but when she does tree, I'll encourage that, you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm, I, I've had my days of trying to hold a pup up to look at a cat in a tree and I'm like, yeah, that just don't work. You know what I mean? Either they got it or they don't, and 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 I I'd rather not teach them, because in those situations, if I walk you know walk down somewhere and there's not a cat there, that's really frustrating. So that's the hard part is you're sitting there looking, because you really want to confirm it for the dogs. I mean that's that's how we count. You know what I mean? We don't if if, if I can't see it, then I don't count it as hey we caught it. I I just don't know, but um, that's difficult. So all right, we uh, anybody got a good train wreck story? John probably does. I'm I sure. Have all kinds. Right. Which one do you want? <laughs> Look, give okay, us... we were just talking about tree things. So I'll tell you a good not tree thing. <laughs> uh, I I have so many of these. I mean, I literally I could write a book about these. Uh, one of my mentors said he said, you know how you uh, uh, we were talking about lion hunting because that's kind of what he does anyway. And he said, uh, you know, there's like ten thousand different ways that you don't catch a lion, and I'm like kind of looked at him funny and he goes well no he goes what happens when you catch a lion and i'm and i didn't understand exactly the question i'm like and he goes well you know you go out and you start a track and you know you find it and you're the right way and they trail it and and you know you jump it and maybe it runs far or maybe it doesn't but then you just catch it right and i was like well yeah i guess that's probably about right and he goes but there is 10,000 different ways. Buddy's been with me at least on one occasion, which is like, Tracy's been with yeah, me. Yeah, but you don't catch him. But anyway, so back to the tree thing. So uh, I hit a track. This has been a long time ago. I mean, a long couple decades ago, but I still remember it like it happened this morning. So obviously it put a bark in my brain. But anyway, they, uh, 
Dog's Head Alliance track, and and uh, I was up on top of a big high mountain, and where they went off was really rough, so I had to go around. And anyway, they trailed a long, long ways, and I get down there, and and uh, <clears throat> I hear the dogs off there barking bait in a big bluff line, and uh, I thought, oh man. So anyway, I I get tootling down there and I get closer and closer and man I I can't see a lion but I'm like well it could be off in a crack or whatever and uh those what had happened I, I figured I figured it out later but that lion had hunted down that bluff line and I'm not afraid to tell you this this will make you laugh but so tom lions in this country uh, and I don't know James Belver your way but they <clears throat> most lions in this country absolutely positively will not walk by a skunk without killing it. They, they absolutely love them. Uh, and and those dogs, and I had like 12, are bayed in this hole, in a pretty good-sized hole. And uh, anyway, to make a long story as short as I can, I got in there, and as I get down there, I'm like, man, that kind of stinks here. <laughs> and uh, that lion had got in there and tried to get that skunk. And when those dogs got there, and I, of course, I had my normal load of some puppies. I'm not making any excuse for them. But anyway, so uh, I had a big old Tom skunk bait up. Actually, they couldn't even touch it. It was way back in this hole. So anyway, I was super frustrated. And I called my mentor, one of my mentors that night, told him about that. And he said, hey, he said, well, you're trailing a lion, right? And I said, well, of course. Yeah, I found its track and, you know, all that stuff. They said, well, you ever seen where lions eat a skunk? And I go, oh, yeah, about a thousand of them. And they said, you know what? That lion probably tried to get that skunk, and and then it went on, and those dogs found it, and that was that. But then, of course, <laughs> I was mad and kind of had to reprimand them for that, and then they were all had skunk in their face, and it was in the summer, so that was kind of the end of that deal. But anyway, so there's my train wreck for today. <laughs> Even get skunked. Yep. I did get skunked. Actually, I got skunked hard that day. <laughs> Don't you just love that when you start with the, the smell of a skunk is something you'll never... Oh, I mean, yeah. You just never forget. Never forget. No, never. <coughs> Neither did they. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs>